This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Tuesday was facing Hunger Day at the Capitol. Both major food banks in the state were joined by local food pantries to promote legislative priorities. In our service area, one in four children suffer from hunger. We're serving 5,000 children a week with backpacks throughout our 12-county service area. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The city of Wheeling has agreed to temporarily suspend its urban camping ban. Chris Schultz has more. The American Civil Liberties Union of West Virginia has dismissed their suit against the city of Wheeling after the city agreed to exempt a camping site from the urban camping ban that went into effect this year. The ordinance bans camping on public property in the city, punishable by a fine of up to $500. City workers cleared an encampment behind the Nelson Jordan Center last week. The city will now allow people experiencing homelessness to erect camps near the Catholic Charities Community Center and will also temporarily pause enforcement of the ordinance to give people time to move their belongings to the exempted site. In a press release, ACLU West Virginia Legal Director Aubrey Sparks said she and others, quote, hope the city will work with service providers and advocates on solutions that are not just constitutional, but also humane, practical, and compassionate. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. The Senate passed a controversial bill that permits teachers to teach intelligent design in public school classrooms. Brianna Heaney has the story. Senate Bill 280 allows teachers to discuss one or more theories about the origins of life on Earth, including theories that life was created and designed by a higher power. However, Senator Mike Wolfel, a Cabell County Democrat, says this is a clear violation of the Establishment Clause that separates church and state. So intelligent design, now that we've learned that it's permitted to be taught under this bill, is going to render the bill, in my view, unconstitutional. If it becomes law, West Virginia would be the first state to permit intelligent design theory in public classrooms since it was barred unconstitutional by the U.S. District Court. If the case was brought to a higher court, the litigation could cost taxpayers. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. A Senate committee approved a potential tax increase on wind turbines Tuesday. Chris Sh- or Curtis Tate has more. If Senate Bill 231 becomes law, wind turbines would be taxed as real property, not as personal property. According to an attached fiscal note, that would increase revenue by $6.1 million annually, funds that would flow to schools, county commissions, and the state's general fund. However, industry advocates say the move would make wind power less competitive in West Virginia and drive investment to other states. Wind and solar are currently the cheapest form of electricity. Supporters of the change say it helps fossil fuels compete with renewables. The Senate Energy, Industry and Mining Committee approved SB 231 with little debate. The bill now goes to the Finance Committee. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Keeping kids off nicotine was the focus of a rally at the Capitol. Emily Rice has more. 
Students from across the state visited the Capitol for the 20th annual Tobacco-Free Day to represent West Virginia's youth-led prevention movement, RAISE. Ava Johnson is a RAISE ambassador from Spring Valley High School in Wayne County. She said there are 66 RAISE crews in 32 of West Virginia's 55 counties. She hopes to get RAISE crews in each county. We want to have legislators understand the importance of stopping it earlier on in life, so we're trying to target a lot of high schools and middle schools so that it's not a big, huge pandemic around older generations to come. In 2021, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that West Virginia had the highest percentage of youth vaping in the country at nearly 36% of high school students. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. In light of recent winter weather, dementia specialists remind caretakers to reinforce protections for their loved ones. Jack Walker has the story. Spells of severe weather, like the snowstorms that swept West Virginia this weekend, bring safety risks for individuals who wander due to dementia. The Alzheimer's Foundation of America recently suggested that caretakers monitor house exits and pay attention to their loved ones' behavioral patterns during winter months. Joni Maloney, who works for Kanawha Valley Senior Services, said West Virginians should also dress their loved ones for the weather, regardless of plans to go outside. This reduces risks associated with unexpected wandering. Safety is key, and no, no one ever wants their loved ones to be exposed to any type of harsh weather, especially the cold. By following the advice of dementia specialists, Maloney said caretakers can make the winter months even safer for those they love. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jack Walker in Charleston. The House of Delegates Education Committee started off the week discussing who is responsible for maintaining records for special education. Chris Schultz has more. Individual education and 504 plans provide accommodations and services to students with disabilities. The House Education Committee Monday afternoon discussed House Bill 4860, which changes code to clarify that a general education teacher cannot be made responsible for accommodation logs. The bill's lead sponsor, Delegate David Elliott Pritt, a Republican from Fayette County, praised the bill for removing a paperwork burden from teachers. But Committee Minority Chair Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, said while he trusts teachers to teach, many students in the state have IEPs amidst a shortage of special education professionals that cannot visit every classroom every day. It's not practical to have someone that's not in the room responsible for signing off on something that they can't really verify whether it happened or not. The bill was recommended to the House floor. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Some patchy fog this morning, cloudy skies today with a chance of rain, highs in the 40s and 50s. Tonight, a chance of rain with lows in the 40s. Tomorrow, rain and patchy fog, highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Good News Mountaineer Garage, a nonprofit organization accepting donated vehicles to help a West Virginian get on the path to economic independence. More at goodnewsmountaineergarage.com.
Tuesday was facing Hunger Day at the Capitol. Both major food banks in the state were joined by local food pantries to promote legislative priorities. According to the USDA, more than one in four children are food insecure in the United States. In West Virginia and Kentucky, at least 78,800 seniors are living in poverty. To continue this discussion, reporter Brianna Heaney invited Cindy Kirkhart, the chief executive officer of the Facing Hunger Food Bank, and Senator Mike Wolfel, the Senate minority leader from Cabell County, to do better to dis- help us better understand the scope of the problem. What are some actions that the legislature is doing and could do to address child hunger? Well, Bree, such an important topic. And I know the senator has been long supporting our hunger relief efforts at Facing Hunger. In our service area, one in four children suffer from hunger. We're serving 5,000 children a week with backpacks throughout our 12-county service area. So I think we're all committed to how can we gather resources to lift everyone out of poverty, the families and then the children. But we understand that in order to really overcome multi-generational poverty, we've got to feed our kids and let them get an education. So the legislature, since 2018, really, has focused on child hunger through supporting backpack programming and funds through the Department of Education and certainly supporting the food banks so that we can take those resources and um, attack as many kids as, as we can and resolve hunger for them. Coming out of the Senate, coming out of the legislature, what are some um, actions that be, are being taken to address child hunger in the state? Well, we're, I happen to be from Huntington also, and where I live there are food options through churches and community organizations, teachers. Um, our kids are in pretty good shape. But as a state, we're 34% higher. We have a higher rate of childhood hunger than the rest of the country. Um, And sadly, in many counties, the options for, for example, summer feeding are not available. So I have a bill that I ran uh, through the Senate last year and and, uh, wrote again this year, which would require each Board of Education to assess what hunger needs are being met or not being met in their county. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't require them to feed children. Uh, But until we assess what's out there and what counties or areas are deficient, we can't really attack the problem. Uh, Sadly, last session, nobody in the House bothered to take that bill up. It just died. It was never even considered. So same bill went over there the very first day of this session, Uh, ideal language. And I'm, I'm hopeful that the House of Delegates will see childhood hunger as a priority and make sure that we take this step toward ensuring that all kids in our state have something to eat. I'll ask you, um, Sydney, what are some of the headwinds to addressing child hunger in the state? Well, I will tell you, in spite of our best efforts, we are blessed with kids that are very bright 
and if they have an idea about where they can get food, where they can get resources, they're going to go to those. If they have to ride a four-wheeler there, if they have to hitchhike there. Um, so I think it's really important that we meet these kids where they are. So to the senator's point, really finding out what are the barriers. You know, if people have to travel 15 miles in to a local school that may right. have summer feeding, right. we're asking them to make a really hard decision about do I use that fuel for this, you know, or do I take care of the rest of my family? So I think that the efforts of the senator and certainly the legislature to let's get food to kids regardless of what it takes. Let's assess the landscape because West Virginia clearly has transportation challenges. So let's meet those kids who need us to act on their behalf and figure out how to get there. We also have a fair number of what I'll call food deserts in the state. We have places where there's not a grocery store readily available to people. Um, and again, with the opioid tsunami that our state is facing, child poverty is at an all-time high. Our child poverty rate in this state is 25% and rising. Uh, so the least we can do as a government, as a legislature, as a state, is to put nutrition in the bodies of those children. Uh, and it, you know, we have done some things in the past, but there are still so many places that I will consider a food desert where children just aren't able to secure the nutrition and it's not being provided by their extended family or whoever may be supervising them during those summer months, sadly. That was Cindy Kirkhart from the Facing Hunger Food Bank and Senator Mike Wolfel speaking with Brianna Heaney for the legislature today. To hear the rest of that interview, visit our website and tune in to the legislature today, every evening at 6 p.m. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.